Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. People may not always see eye to eye with him, but they will always listen to his opinion. This is The Roy Green Show. All right. This is a time when this community should come together. These are not the kinds of things that we expect to happen in this city. We hope they don't happen anywhere uh, in the world, but we especially uh, don't expect them to happen in Toronto. But uh, things are as they are. Here's Mayor John Tory of Toronto after that uh, terrible, terrible attack last Monday by um, this individual who claims to be a allegedly claims to be a member of Incel, if I don't hear any more about Incel ever again, it'll be too soon. I more to say, a little more to say about the later. Uh, but after the uh, murderous van attack in Toronto, the question becomes, for many, must we all be prepared for more attempts at mass murder in public places, whether from social misfits or organized terror groups, and our borders are being crashed by, to quote the Prime Minister, irregular entrance. So how much public safety concern should that issue raise? And then extending and expanding it a little bit, do Western governments have the interest and will to properly defend their citizens? It's not a question we're asking for the first time, and there's no one more qualified to answer that question, the one I'd rather ask. Then uh, Lieutenant Colonel Steve Day, the former commanding officer of Joint Task Force 2, JTF2, and the president and founder of Radical Ventures. Colonel Day, thank you so much for the time. Roy, it's a pleasure to be back with you and your listeners again, and it seems like we're always talking when there's a tragedy, unfortunately. We are, and uh, you quite accurately told us some time ago to be prepared for more of more attacks in this country, but to also keep them in perspective. After we saw in Toronto, it's difficult to find uh, a perspective. And uh, so I'll say that. And then also that most of us thought at the beginning that it was more than likely going to be a terrorist attack from ISIS or Al-Qaeda. We found out differently, of course. Yeah, and, and uh, I know when it first happened, a lot of people would be thinking it, it could possibly be a terrorist. Um, generally speaking, um, first reports are often wrong, and generally speaking in Canada, as we've seen, these are more criminal in nature and more people with mental health challenges, whether it be the, the, the latest one or, as we saw, both on Parliament Hill and Quebec with uh, the van or the vehicles running down the Canadian soldiers. Yeah, Colonel Day, how do we, how do we protect ourselves as much as possible 
from what has been described over and over as a low-tech but deadly assault, and I think that's a probably a, an accurate description of what uh, of what actually took place, at least as far as the assault itself was concerned, the the kind of assault that took place. Right. So this this is again what would be known as a bit of a black swan event, which essentially are those unexpected tragic uh, attacks that happen. And if we look at, at this event in particular, the, the attack pathway, as it's known, is a downtown city street and or adjoining sidewalk. The, the attack vector is this person with a mental health or a terrorist, whatever that may be, challenge who is attacking us when we are going about our routine daily lives. And it's, it's almost impossible to protect ourselves and harden everywhere. So I think what we need to do is keep it in perspective in terms of it is absolutely, utterly tragic for those 10 individuals, their families, and the 16 others that were hurt. But the likelihood of somebody being um, involved in one of these, fortunately in Canada, is extremely low. But to answer your question directly, Roy, I think the best thing that Canadians can do is to prepare themselves so that they ever find themselves in the middle of an event they know how to get themselves what we would call off of the X and help those people that are, are dying or injured that happen to be immediately around them. That is the best thing that Canadians can do to help themselves in these scenarios. So what's the fundamental thing that you, uh, that you might be able to have in the back of your mind if things start to go very wrong in your surroundings? Well, uh, as, we, as we talk about it, the first thing, I, and I know this is very hard to do, but uh, again, the first thing to do is not to panic, but to stop, assess, decide what you're going to do, and then act. A lot of people will immediately go into panic, which means they may be moving in the direction of the assault or maybe moving in the direction of a rescuing force and inadvertently become a casualty because of that. So the best thing to do is kind of have a plan in the first place. So stop, assess what's going on around you, decide, and then take action. If I can simplify it to that kind of what we would call sad B kind of approach, sad A approach. Mm-hmm. Colonel Day, there's uh, we also have concerns about more sophisticated attacks. Global News ran a story last weekend about a government report or maybe a series of reports expressing concerns that returning to Canada ISIS members may pose a risk of a chemical attack. Is that something that uh, that, you, that you take seriously? Uh, it's, it's not that I would say I don't take it seriously. I, I absolutely do, because as we talked about, Roy, these are the threat vectors that we see in the 21st century. These, in some cases, returning fighters, if not appropriately apprehended at the border, or potentially some sympathizers, if not appropriately screened at the border, then become, you know, what's called homegrown threats or insider threats. And that is even more difficult to guard against are those threats that are inside your company, inside your place of work and or the place where you go to work every day or your daily lives. That, those are those lone wolves, those black swan events that are extremely difficult to guard against. You mentioned the border. And uh, our border is being penetrated regularly by undocumented individuals and in large numbers. They make refugee applications. And uh, most recently, last week, we found out that uh, Quebec has asked for assistance because they're just overwhelmed by the numbers. 
And so now individuals who are entering Quebec illegally or entering Canada in Quebec illegally are being asked if they want to, would prefer to go to Ontario, in which case they're taken to Toronto. Uh, does it worry you at all about who might be among those entering this country? The federal government doesn't seem ready to express any alarm, but I've certainly got uh, some antenna going up as far as I'm concerned. Well, again, I, I think if, uh, in this, irrespective of government and power, conservatives, liberals, whoever that may be, we, we grossly under-resource our national security. And when I say that, I'm talking about money, people, equipment, um, thinking, and being prepared. And, and we do that generally because we live in a very safe country. So are there potential folks that are squeaking through the borders? Uh, yes, there, there very well could be. The vast, vast majority, I would say 99.9% of these folks are coming here seeking a better life. But I think the real challenge is if we would properly resource our security actors, then those micro percentages that could be sneaking through, at least we would be on top of them. And that's, that's part of the challenge is the known threats that we have, we don't have enough resources to make sure that we're preparing and or monitoring and or watching them on any given day. No, and what we've been able to do, what we've been able to accomplish is to uh, probably demoralize some of the more experienced and more... more uh, uh, proactive members of our of our military, such as perhaps members of Joint Task Force Two or or other special forces units, by saying if you're off the job for X period of days, uh, then you're not going to be paid the extra danger pay that you would normally be paid, and that's a de- that's a that's a serious uh, hit to the bottom line of these of these professionals, and uh, they may very well go back to work before they're pre- before they're ready to do so. Yeah, that, w- that was certainly a, yeah, a topic you and I had talked about last fall with the, uh, the unanticipated, at least as far as I was aware, announcement of the, the, the Liberal government about taking away some benefits for uh, across the Canadian forces, but certainly it impacts that tip of the spear, those men and women that are ready to go out the door on a moment's notice. Uh, so I, I do agree, Roy, with when we under-resource and we try to get security on the cheap, what that means is those threats that are out there, um, when they do decide to action their plan, it just means we are not as prepared to respond to them, as we should be as a first world nation. And uh, at some point, Canadians need to send a very clear message to their government that we want to see and we want things properly resourced to those men and women, whether it be law enforcement, the security professionals, the military special operations community, let's make sure those men and women who are prepared for the ultimate sacrifice, are properly equipped and uh, trained and ready to go so that we can mitigate any of these threats as we saw on uh, Tuesday in Toronto. Yeah, and one more question for you, Colonel Day. You were on missions, I'm sure, where 99.999% of the population can't imagine what, what, what might have been, what your mission might have been and what you may have had to do. As, a, as the leader of the commanding officer of Joint Task Force 2. So that takes me then from the tip of the spear, the military spear, um, Canada's counterterrorism force, the Joint Task Force 2, to the people who politically lead us. And I look around the Western world and I ask myself constantly whether Western leaders are committed to protecting their citizens or are they caught up in political correctness. Is that a fair question to put out there? Well, I I think so, and I think um, part of the challenge is, in some cases, we are lions led by lambs, 
And again, I would say that is a, a, a comment on the political class writ large. And I and I do understand the political class has only has got a number of resources, a number of priorities are trying to balance. But the number one job of a government anywhere is the safety, security, and prosperity of their population. And in Canada, for the last 40 years, we've been doing safety and security on the cheap, and that is affecting our prosperity going forward if we don't get some true political leadership, some true political will that allows those men and women across the security apparatus to do the things that they wish to do to keep us safe and secure. Colonel Day, thank you so much for talking to us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Roy, and all the best to you and your listeners again. And hopefully the next time we talk, it will not be another tragic situation inside our borders. I hope not. Thank you, Guyan. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Steve Day, the former commanding officer of Joint Task Force 2, the tip of the Canadian military spear. If Joint Task Force 2 shows up in your day, you can be pretty much sure it's not going to be a very good day for you because they're not going to show up unless you deserve it. And they are... uh, ranked among the very best in the world. It was a Joint Task Force 2 special operator who took that uh, 2.1-mile shot and took out an ISIS terrorist. And that's the world's longest sniper uh, kill by a massive margin over the uh, the next longest one, 2.1 miles. I have a few minutes for a call or two before we talk to our friend Dan McTague. It's 800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428. We're going to talk about the borders tomorrow. Michelle Rempel will be joining us, uh, the uh, immigration critic for the Conservative Party, and we'll talk to uh, Richard Curland, uh, uh, immigration lawyer. But our border is being constantly crossed by people who have no business crossing our border. They are illegal. But they get all the considerations of someone who makes a refugee application because they avoid crossing the border from the United States at official border crossing points. Do you have concern that the federal government is not doing enough to safeguard our Canadian border from potential threats to you and me in this country who could be using this opportunity to slip into into Canada is the federal government doing enough or not enough? 1-800-263-2428. Follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show and emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. On our webpage, RoyGreenShow.com, listen back to anything that we air in the podcasts. And uh, I just want to tell you, top of the next hour, we're going to be talking to Dan in Saskatchewan. His wife took her own life in January. She was trying to get a physician-assisted death, and they refused her on one count. On one count, she was refused. And so she took her own life, and she died in Dan's arms, Dave's arms, I'm sorry. And uh, and the police have done their investigation. Now the Crown has six months to decide whether they're going to charge Dave with not providing the necessaries of life, necessaries of life. So he's going to share his story with us. He's been in touch with the federal justice minister, too. Dina is in Dundas, Ontario. Hi, Tina. Hi, Roy. Hi, Roy. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. 
Hi, uh, Roy. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Good. And your question about immigration, about people at the border? Yeah. Would you close the border? Would you actively close the border? Uh, to, to, people cro- to people just walking across? No, I don't want people just walking across. I think we have people here that have every right to be here and are not accepted in this country and for whatever reason. And if we just let anybody and their uncle in, we have to be very careful. There is no guarantee, there is no assurance, that among the people entering Canada illegally, walking across from Champlain, New York, on Roxham Road, I've said before, I know exactly where that is, walking yep. from Roxham, uh, from uh, Champlain, New York, into uh, Coteau du Lac in, yep. uh, in Quebec on Roxham Road, there's no assurance that among those people are not individuals who have specifically been asked or told to go to Canada and will create mayhem when they're here. If I were a member of some group or organization, terror group, I would probably want to take advantage of that opportunity. And I I, I agree. I think we're putting ourselves in a very precarious situation. Um, There needs to be protection. And, I mean, we also have home, we can have homegrown things going on, too. Mm-hmm. Um, are you, you know scared? What? Are you scared? Are you scared these days? Uh, I'm more? Not a, you know what? I'm that's. Uh, I'm not a scared person. I, I don't. But when I think of when I the thing is, I I think we cannot bury our hand head in the sand just because we've done well up to now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like we're not immune any more than any other country is. When you go out in public, yeah. Do you find yourself these days, because I've done this more than once, not all the time, not even frequently, but more than once, I find myself in a surrounding where there are many people, uh, and it may be a, 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 you know, a, a, a large store or place where they're, you can't get out yeah. of there too easily or you, you have to find an exit. And I start looking around and I think, what if? Yeah, well, see, I don't go. I don't go out with that mentality. And so far, I guess probably because so far we haven't had to. But it is something I think we need to consider. Um, you know, I do watch. I, I've always worked in the public, so I've. I always do kind of. I'm a people watcher. I mm-hmm. sort of watch who's around and 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 where I am, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would hope I would act appropriately if something were to happen, yep. but. Um, and I hope it doesn't. But at the same time, I'm saying we need to we need to be on guard. We do. Thank you, Tina, for the call. And uh, Colonel Day gave us the sound advice of what to do. Be aware of your surroundings. Make a decision on what you're going to do, and then do it. But don't panic. And that's easier said than done because we've you know you never run across situations that suddenly we, when we've read about we've heard about the horrific situation in Toronto on Monday. Uh, you can't prepare for that, but maybe after hearing Colonel Day and and knowing that these things are happening and they're more than they have in the past, that you just put yourself in the mindset when you're in public that you're aware of what's going on around you. That probably is the most fundamental thing we all should do is just be aware of what's going on around us and what our options are in case we need to uh, exercise them. When we come back, the price of gasoline is going sky high. Our friend Dan McTague will join us from GasBuddy.com.